He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 30 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly and this week we have the full team. James Richardson, James Richardson's here with me. Hey James. Hey Bob. And I have Barry here. Hey Barry. Hey guys. And we have Alan on the line from Sweden again. Hey Alan. Hey guys. Uh, that's sounding a lot better, uh, which leads me on to uh, just a small bit of an apology. We, Alan's based in Sweden just for the, the short term, and we're trying to work on getting Alan onto Skype to record into the show, and it's we're still working on it. So last week, we had a bit of a hiccup, so apologies for people who were looking for the episode last week. We didn't get a chance to, well, we, we did the episode, but the quality wasn't good enough, so we decided to pull it down, so apologies about that again. Um, and... This week, we're going to have a chat about the Open. Um, there's a lot of really good stories that happened this week, so we're going to have a bit of a chat about some of the major stories from this week. Before we do that, we're going to have the rules-related question, which this is, we keep saying this every week, but I keep saying it's a big week, and I think it's now 16-12 to Barry, and I, this is almost final nail in the coffin kind of stage. Well, we're in nearly the end of July now, so I think it's kind of almost final stage for you, I feel like I've been banished to Sweden because my, my rules knowledge is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have a review of the Open, as I mentioned, and then we'll have an update on the top 200. Some very um, notable moves on that, particularly for uh, Martin Saccone, who's in, in, t- in touch with us, so we, we'll come to that. Then we'll have a brief look ahead to next week. Probably not, it's a small bit of an anticlimax, no offence to the M2M Russian Open and the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, we'll have the answer to a rules-related question, and that'll that close out the show. So before we do that, I suppose this week we had a big story that one of the golf's greatest stars turned in a fine weekend performance. I'm sure you're all thinking that it's Rory McIlroy we're talking about. Barry, you had quite some weekends on the golf course this weekend. There's quite a few under par, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not quite in the Rory McIlroy um, um, world of things, but you were very played very well apparently. No, there was no cameras there either to record it. Um, <laughs> That was a good weekend. Played very nicely. Non-qualifying, so my good scores didn't get me a handicap cut. What did you shoot again? I had 42 points on Saturday with one scratch, and I had 37 on the Sunday with no scratches. So <laughs> it was good. It was, it was the best I've ever hit, hit the ball. Good so uh, it was nice. So hopefully I can carry that on into the medal this Saturday. Excellent. This Saturday, very good. James, nothing notable from yourself? Absolutely no. Okay, well, that's a good sign to move on. Yourself, myself, didn't play any golf on, and we were on a bit of practice. No, yeah, that was it. Just the practice. No golf for me. Very good. Well, hopefully, and will you get a chance to play this weekend? Yes. Saturday. I have a match on Saturday, so I'm back. I'm back this weekend. I have a match Saturday. That's good. What, uh, what kind of matches? Is it singles or singles match play? Singles match play. I'm in the quarterfinals of one of the cups in the club, so. Very good. See you will you be employing gamesmanship, as we talked about a few weeks ago? It depends how bad, what kind of shape I'm in. <laughs> Most likely. Very good, very good, excellent. Okay, well, listen, let's move on. Uh, on to the rules-related question. And I've taken a small bit of a break from uh, procedure. I usually have an A, B, or a C, but this week I'm actually going with a true or false question. So uh, hopefully it'll make it a small bit, small bit easier. Now, the question is, player A, this is in match play, player A holds out for a four, player B has a putt for a half, 
Player A tells player B that the putt is just inside the left edge. Player B does not need to take his putt as the hole is halved. True or false? I have to go first. Sorry, Barry, you're first. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to go with false. <coughs> I think player B actually wins the hole because... Uh, well, I'm not going to say why. Because Alan still has to answer. <laughs> I'll give my reasons after Alan's answer. So you're saying false. Answer. I'm going false. You're 50% chance of success. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> you look a bit in anguish there, Alan, trying to decide. Uh, no, I, I actually agree with Barry. I think... Uh, I think... Because you're dispensing advice or something on the post, that's it's a lost hole. But I'm tempted to just go to the, go the opposite just because I'm getting desperate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's doubling down on your losses, though, isn't it? Yeah. So the holes have. Yeah. Okay. Let's go through. You're gonna go through. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm actually just trying to find it. We're on the dice. I love it. I, I think false because I think giving advice is a loss of hole in match play. That's that's my it's reasoning. It's not allowed anyway. It's, it's certainly yeah. not allowed like to. Uh, or it, there's there's some rule anyway that you can't make a recommendation or give advice or something like that. Yeah, I think you could be right, Barry. But I'm I'm, I'm last chance to no, it's, 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 it's more than frowned upon anyway. It's but, definitely a rule against. But good news, one of you is correct anyway. Oh. <laughs> Good job, Alan. Thank God Bob's not going to be here next week. (laughs) Right, well, listen, that leads us on to the main event of the weekend. And obviously it was another fantastic uh, Open Championship. We had a glorious winner in Rory McIlroy, who pretty much I thought he was absolutely fantastic for the whole event. Just running through the top uh, 10 of the leaderboard, uh, Sergio Garcia, Ricky Feller were both tied second. Bjork was uh, fourth. Then we in tied fifth with Leishman and Scott, two Australians. Schwartzel and Eduardo Molinari were both minus 11. Eduardo Molinari uh, grabbing a bit of attention for a lot of two, top 200 uh, teams, including myself and Martin Saccombe, who's in, on top of, or who's in touch. But we'll come to that. And then tied ninth was our own Shane Lowry and Graham McDowell, along with uh, Victor de Buisson. Uh, worth noting as well, another great performance for Shane Lowry. And that moves him up to the 59th in the world. And... He tweeted over the weekend that he's hoping he's targeting the top fifty. I think the top fifty Barry is the is the golden ticket really for the um to the Willy Wonka golf tournaments. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um yeah, that gets you into absolutely everything, all the WGCs, all the yeah. majors and you can you can pick and choose your schedule beautifully at the start yeah. of the year. So um yeah, well, hopefully hopefully he can go on and do it now in the next few weeks, you know, cash in on the, the hot form he's on. And when, when Lowry was in his last uh, big event, I think it was the, the match play, and it's amazing to think that um, Lowry beat McElroy in the first round. That seems like a long time ago after, I suppose, an amazing performance really from mm. McElroy or, over the weekend. Match play is a different monster though, mm. isn't it? Um, anybody can really beat anybody on uh, on the mm. day. Uh, actually, the, they've announced a new format for the match play next year, and maybe we'll look at that a bit later in the year yeah yeah and um, it'd be interesting kind of more of a world cup format with groups at the start so that should be that'll be good to see we get to see more golf yeah sounds good to me um McElroy, though incredible wasn't he yeah yeah there was just there was no weakness in his game at all mm-hmm. i mean he just I, I don't think i've ever seen him hit the driver as good as he did it was it was just going it was actually it was going so far it was 327 yards he averaged for the week that's sick which is uh, i think we've probably all hit about one or two of those in our lifetime downwind on sheets of ice mm-hmm. so um yeah he just he dominated and um 
he didn't really have any wobbly moments at all. I I thought going into Sunday he might have a double or a triple in there, but um, he was uh, he was ama- amazing, just very solid and um, spectacular when he needed to be. Alan is waving. Here we go. Yeah, the, well, I, I suppose I was the one thing that really impressed me was was actually it wasn't like his um, his other two majors where he blew the field away. I know he kind of did in the first couple of days, but the last day. He, he still he still had to grind it out a fraction, mm. you know. He like Sergio was coming back at him, and the one thing that really impressed me was his bottle actually at the end. You know, he never looked flustered, he never looked under pressure at all. He did, he had a job to do. He closed it out, and he got the job done. And I, I think the one big thing on the final day was when he stood up on the first tee, and they were all questioning, "Oh, I wonder should he is he hitting driver? Why is he hitting driver?" And he absolutely. Marmalized down the middle of the fairway. <laughs> yeah. it, like, it must have knocked it about 60 yards past Fowler. Now, I know Fowler only hit a three wood, but it was like a statement of intent. Mm, yeah. He's saying, you know, you're not going to catch me. And he opened up with birdie as well. That was, that was his birdie, though, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he birdied the first on the final day, I think, yeah. Mm. Was, oh, he did, you're right. Yeah. Actually, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, he was outside Fowler and he knocked his ball in and Fowler missed his, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, was, it was a huge psychological blow, that drive on the first. Yeah, yeah, it was a real statement of intent. To me, I thought it was phenomenal throughout the weekend, but there was, I suppose, a couple of moments, I think, were the key bits to, to Rory. I thought the eagle on 16 and the eagle on seven, uh, on 18 on round three, really great players picked the moments mm-hmm. where they have to hit a key shot to do it. And that was at a time where there was a bit of movement in the field behind, and the kind of the gap had narrowed a little bit. Yeah. To 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 go eagle eagle. Now I know he bogeyed uh, seventeen on on round three, but those two were like daggers into the hearts of the guys behind, which I think sucked an awful lot of air out of the guys who were chasing because they had done a lot of work to get back into the game, and then all of a sudden they just see him go eagle bogey mm. eagle. Mm. In the last three holes on the last day, uh, on the round three, the the second to me key moment in the whole thing for this victory for him was how he dealt with the two back to back bogeys on the final day on the front nine uh, on on five and six. He went bogey bogey. Mm. Now that could have been the moment where it could have started collapsing around his ears, but he steadied the ship, and I think it, you know that was to me the the two key moments. At the end of round three and halfway through the first nine on, on day four, that was where he won the championship. I know he went 66-66 and that's fine, but to me, they were where the wobbles could have happened and he just, he, phenomenal golfer and phenomenal shots. The only um, one thing I will say, though, is he, he did get very, very favourable conditions for the four days. You know, he, he wasn't really tested over the four days in, in difficult, windy conditions. Yeah. Uh, like he got very lucky on the Saturday. The Saturday, I think it was looking like it was going to be Armageddon at one stage <laughs> for the tea times and so on. But, but it actually ended up being quite mild or being quite reasonable. There wasn't much wind. The rain stayed away. So he yeah. did get lucky over the four days in terms of weather, which I think we had always said, which we've said many times that he does need those kind of conditions to win an open. Yeah, and the one thing we've mentioned before that the one downside to the Open as opposed to other competitions is that draw can be quite important and I, I, we mentioned last week that we all had a few bets and particularly the likes of Fowler um, we're all on the right side of the draw and all the guys at the top of the leaderboard bar, bar maybe Scott and Lowry I think and actually probably GMAC they were all 
uh, all the, the main guys, McElroy, Garcia, Beller, they were all on the correct side of the draw. And it really made a big influence uh, on on the leaderboard, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Scott Scott won the, the other tournament. And <coughs> he, he was five shots behind McElroy in the end. And I saw a stat on day one that Scott's side of the draw was playing three shots harder mm. than the other side of the draw. So, And that's just an average. So... Um, he like Scotty did very well uh, to to get to where he did, but it's just it's too big a gap to bridge, and it's unfortunate that there was that kind of separation mm, in the draw. Mm. And, you know, even that decision that the RNA made on the Saturday to squash the field together, put them out on a two T start. So you know, if they, if they actually just spread it out normally, Scotty would have gone out earlier in the relatively easier conditions, even though it was raining for him. Probably scored okay, and then the leaders like McElroy and Fowler and Garcia would have had the really tough conditions yeah. that we saw come down after they'd all finished. You know, heavy rain and winds were coming in then. I, I, I understand the point that you make about this. You know, you can be on the lucky side of the draw or the bad side, but sure, that happens on a Saturday in a, in, in a club competition. You, you know, I can go out early and I could not have the wind and the rain, and I, somebody goes out at 12 o'clock and does. It just. You know, it balances. I, I know it's a pro tournament. I know it's the major, but that's you. You, you pay your money and you you take your chance. Well, actually, in on our and people probably know, I play in Carton House, and our competitions run over a Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So something like a captain's prize qualifying, yeah. you find that all the guys on Saturday might qualify on Sunday. So that is, but the reason I the point I'm making when we always go back to talking about our favourite majors and talking about. Um, why different things are major and I've kind of suggested that I think for me the British Open is in around the third favourite and I put the US Open ahead of it because I think consistently the US Open will find a better champion than the British Open because had Scott been on Scott and McElroy been on the opposite side of the draw this week Scott might well have we'd almost certainly be talking about Scott as the yeah, Open champion yeah. so we don't know, did was Scott the better player this weekend than McElroy? And uh, we don't know that because they were on the opposite of the draw. Whereas I think in the US Open, there's never that differentiation. And that's just my kind of angle on it, you know. But that's just that's just the kind of point I was thinking. Could you make an argument for the draw being made based on your world ranking? No. <laughs> just throwing it out there to be, you know, that, that, would, that would remove your, the, the, draw, the draw bias. I don't understand. It would put all the, the it would put all the best players in the world in the same part of the draw. But then they might but be, I think they might they might lose what they might lose eight. The best players in the world all get the good side of the draw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's know, the advantage of being the best no player way, in the world. Yeah, there's no way you're gonna get the perfect solution. So you just have to take that little bit of you know the look of the draw. It's and, unfortunate. And to be honest, some people might think, Well, that's why I love the British Open and that's why I think it's better than the other events, because there is a bit of variability and there are different challenges. But from my point of view, that's the one thing that I just think is a small bit of a holdback. This yeah. is probably. I agree because I think that like the problem with it is it, it, if you get if you get a bad draw, it, can, it takes half the field out. So you're reducing the field size down from 130 to 60, 65. Mm. Like if you get on the wrong side of the draw and, you're, and the course is playing three or four shots harder for your two days, you're not going to win. You know, it's impossible for you to win. The the one place it does balance out though on Lynx courses on a Saturday and a Sunday in general in an afternoon the wind will pick up on a Lynx golf course and that's when the leaders are going out so the guys who are a bit further away from the leaders will have a chance to make their score early on and then when the course gets a bit firmer faster and windier in the afternoon the leaders might struggle to continue making a good score and separate themselves well the conditions on Friday the, the morning guys got the worst of it yeah, yeah. It, it's unusual that that happens but it did and that's that's what you know. That's what we have so 
No, I, I, I'm kind of on your side of the page, Bob. I, I, it's the reason it wouldn't be my one of my favourite events purely because of that. Well, I suppose look, we can debate that all day yeah, long. Yeah, but yeah. The, the question I suppose I would pose though is, you know, do, does that take away from Rory McIlroy's win? Like, is there going to be ever an asterisk beside a Phil Mickelson or a Rory McIlroy and say, well, he won it, but he was on the right side of the draw? It's just the way it is, no. and, and unless we move golf indoors, the weather's always going to play a, a, an effect. I'd love to play golf indoors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, you're, you're dead right, James. I mean, so, there's look, no asterisks at all. I, I wouldn't take anything away from Rory. He, he yeah. pulled out the shots when he had to pull out, and you know, if you're on the wrong side, then then look, it balances itself out, and that's the end of the day. Isn't it? And kind of linking back into your point, Alan, as well, that Rory had to uh, really had to kind of fight it out. When you look back at the scores from all the players around him. So, again, going back through the top 10, Lowry shot a 65, Molinari shot a 68, Schwartz a 67, Scott shot a 66, Leishman 65, Fjord 65, Fowler, who he was playing with, shot a 67, and Garcia shot a 66. So, everybody came at him, and he was put under a good bit of pressure, which I think was great to see. That, and that, 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 you, I think we all looked ahead that, and looked at this event and said, do you know what? It's not going to be that exciting, but there was a good bit of excitement and a bit more excitement than we expected. Yeah, and I think they put the pins in accessible places mm. on the Sunday so that guys could come at McElroy. And in fairness, McElroy, the reason he shot the round he shot was because he was protecting. Like he didn't need to go at pins. He yeah. played the middle greens, pick up his pars. He was playing for the par fives. Effectively, try and pick up a birdie here and there in the par fives, and just play for the middle of the greens elsewhere. So he was he was in kind of defense mode, whereas the other. Guy, the rest of the guys have nothing to lose. They might as well go pin seeking. Can I ask a quick question um, for from for any of you? Uh, Sergio made a fantastic run. I think that links into your point, down that that the pins were there and he was all aggressive. And then he came to the fifteenth hole. And I think he was only two out of the lead, and he all of a sudden had a chance. Now we commented that obviously with the par fives to play, that Garcia probably still needed to finish three under after four, but. He hit a very poor shot, and for people who watched it, he he left it in the bunker and, and didn't get out of the bunker first go. Did Garcia slightly did did he realise the situation in and was it a slight bit of a I don't want to use the word bottle, but did the occasion get to him at just exactly the wrong point? It was a miss hit. You could hear it on the TV, yeah. and he and I mean that's a, he has a wedge in his hand. I think it was a hundred and fifty yard shot, and he's missed that shot maybe eight, ten yards right of, right of where he should be hitting it. That, for a pro, that's a massive miss with a wedge. That and it was, probably, it was probably the most accessible pin of the day as well, because that pin was yeah. back in the middle of that green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, I think both sides of the, the green from either side, left and right, both kind of sloped in towards that mm. pin as well. So it was, as Alan said, it was this was a green light birdie opportunity, and yeah, he, he kind of whiffed the shot a little bit. Did the occasion get to him? Well, I think this is the key point, and, and, and I was listening to Sir Nick on Sunday morning, and uh, he was making the point that he's got to get his head right, you know, and I, I think it happened again. Mm. He was talking that he, he might have a chance to win. He was making the very valid point about Sergio. He needs to be going up onto the first tee, exactly what you said about Sir, uh, about Rory. He knocked that drive down the first purely on a, I'm here, I'm here to win it, I'm striding down this fairway and I know what I'm going to do. I think that Sergio needs to work on the mental game uh, as much as anything at this stage. I know we've said it before, but he, he, I don't want to say he bottled it, but like I'm not sure whether or not mentally he had the, 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 the game uh, to, to see it through. I think there was certainly a degree of him, 
of him bottling a bit because I think that was the closest he had gotten back. You know, and it was just at that point where he got it back to two, two shots. Mm. Like I think the whole 14 holes before that, he didn't really think that he had much of a chance. You know, but then it was like, oh, hang on, I have a chance here. Yeah. And I, I thought he played the last few holes. I know he 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 hit the greens on the par fives, but his, he wasn't aggressive on his putting. And the bunk, the shot into the bunker was terrible. The shot from the bunker was even worse. Mm. Just wafted. The bunker, I heard the excuse for his bunker shot why he left it in. He said, I was trying to hole it. I, 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 what difference? I presume he's trying to either hole it or get everything close. What, why, I don't understand why that would leave it in the bunker. Yeah, it looked to me like he was trying to play a bit of a chunk and run and run it out like a push, just the way he took the shot on, but he, he screwed it up completely. Sorry, the pros at a level, whenever I see the instructions, they're saying <laughs> you have to try and make it. Yeah, like, yeah. like, sorry, when I play a bunker shot, I'm just wanting to get out. I'm not looking to make it. These guys aren't looking to make it. It's a stupid comment. But I, I think the interesting thing was, and, and I, I think his lie was pretty similar for the second and third shot, is the way he played the second and third shot were totally different. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The third shot came out really high, a real high aggressive bunker shot, yes. whereas the second shot, and I think the lies were pretty similar, yeah. the second shot came out low, straight into the face. It was yeah. like... I think... I, totally I, I, I could... I could understand if he said I was trying to hold the third one, because it looked like he was trying to hold that one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I waffed. Yeah, now the first one, it just, yeah, like you said, it looked like he played the shots in a different style and the first one completely tanked and uh, maybe he was a bit scrambled because of the tee shot, uh, which he knew he shouldn't be in that bunker in the first place. So, um, just mentioning about Sergio, and, and there was a couple of things that annoyed me um, about the event. And I, was, um, I loved the event, but there was a couple of things that grabbed my attention, and particularly, um, I mentioned this to you guys off air, was the whole... We mentioned it back in about the Masters after our Masters review episode about Hespeet and Bubba Watson got on and how they were chatting on the range beforehand. And we very much saw it again that Sergio went up to Rory afterwards, gave him a big hug, hugged all the people involved in his party. And also, apparently, Bowler and Rory were chatting to each other the whole way around. Now, the commentators are saying, oh, well, they're good friends and all this kind of stuff. And... Like, if I was playing, let's say, with, with one of my mates, and I was playing the final round of Captain's Prize, there's no way I'd be going, oh, yeah, how was your weekend? How's things? Yeah, what are you doing tonight? I'd be kind of concentrating my game and focusing on it. I think they're very, very pally, I must say. And it's something like that just doesn't sit right with me, I think, is how pally-pally they all are with each other. Like, if I had just lost the British Open and finished two behind McElroy, I wouldn't be going up to him giving him a hug. Well, can I ask, is, is the issue that you have... The hug afterwards, or the walking on the fairway, chatting to people, like in terms of that, that because both, mainly the hug. I can understand the the the, the after the eighteen, um, you know, you've you've run, you're the runner up, and look, if you want to congratulate the guy in the, the the clubhouse, then fine, do that, do whatever you want, be nice to him. I don't have a huge issue with the walking up and down the fairway. It's it's they're out there for five hours, four rounds. The, would Tiger and I, Phil? Would Tiger and Phil chat to each other? No, but they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I know. Oh, James's good friend Sir Nick Faldo has always had an issue with the uh, with this. Remember, he he always used to say that's why the English players don't win majors because they're too they're too pally on and off the course. Yeah. But I don't have an issue with it. Sure, like McIlroy is like that, and he's won three majors. You know, McIlroy chats to chats to the players as he walks in the fairway. So like, it's it's not an issue for him. I, I think it's a horses for courses. Like Mickelson, Mickelson chats away to players when he's playing with them. Yeah. 
and he's won five majors. Would Mickelroy, would Mickelson go up and Mickelroy? Would Mickelson go up and hug, let's say, Jordan Speed, or even actually, let's say, Keegan Bradley, who he's very good friends with? Would you see him going up and even hugging him if he just finished second to win a major? He's not European, though. Europeans are weird. Yeah. Well, no, I agree. I agree with the going up and the hugging afterwards. I think that's like. I don't like, know, but that's kind of Sergio. Sergio's flaky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, I have no issue with the, with them walking down the yeah. fairway and okay. having a chat and stuff like that. Okay, and the second point I was going to make was, and again, you you might disagree with an element of that, uh, is I saw Scott hit into a bush. Actually, I think it might have provoked a very uh, unhappy response for you, Alan, as you had a few euro e 2 on him. Hit into a bush. And he was taking a drop out, and it must have been, I think it was a uh, one club length or two club length drop, and he used his broom putter for the drop. I nearly picked my laptop, which I was watching up, and nearly threw it out the window when I saw him doing that. I couldn't, I mean, to me, your driver is the one, that should be the longest driver, or longest club in your bag, and he's using a club even longer to get a drop. So he's getting a much, much more favourable drop than the rest of the field because of the putter that he's using. Just didn't sit right with me. Oh, look, he's doing it within the rules of the game. Yeah. Like, I know we're, they're getting rid of the, the long putters now in a couple of years' time, but look, the rules of golf give and the rules of golf take away from us on a weekly basis, and he's just, he's got, he, he had an advantageous use of the rules, and he won't have it for much longer. Uh, I, well, no, he what, could still have it, he just won't be able to anchor it against yeah. the body. Well, he yeah, can still have the broom handle. Sorry, yeah, not. good point, actually. So he can still have the length. I, I think it's, it's within the rules he's entitled to do it, so you can't have a complaint if the rules are being yeah. used to your advantage. I think my complaint is that they need to tighten up on the rule and say that it should be the driver should be the only that you can't use your putter as yeah. the club. Yeah. I can understand the point you're making. The problem is the rule is the rule, and you can use it whichever way. It goes back to a certain extent to Tiger when I think he was in Dubai and he got like 20 people to move a boulder out of the way because it was a loose great. impediment. You yeah. know, yeah, okay, it took 20 people to move it, but <laughs> in theory it is what it is. Yeah, so it was yeah. movable. So look, it's not, it doesn't sit well with me, but it's within the rules, so you have to accept it. Plus, I would yeah. use it if I had to. I think players are notorious at bending rules. They do it all the time. You know, anything they can get away with, they will. And I suppose, put it like this, Bob, let's say you are in the, your club match play final and you're all square on the 18th and you have to take a drop and your driver get, only gets you behind a tree but your broom handle putter gets you just outside the tree <laughs> what would you do? I well I wouldn't be using a broom handle but, okay, but if you were if, if let's say I used my broom handle dropped it played the shot up and won the match it probably it wouldn't sit right with me. I'd be a bit like that guy who qualified for the US Open. I'd be ringing up five days later to hang on here. I could see it. I don't want it. <laughs> we just still do it. Yeah. Well, I suppose if I had it, I actually, do you know what? I actually honestly don't know because I I was a bit sickened now when I saw him doing it. I thought it was just again it's against the spirit of the game. Actually, is what I thought it was. Well, that's an interesting point because you can then argue that it's in breach of the earlier rules of golf in terms of gentlemanly sport etiquette, you know, mm-hmm. all of that, and that it's sportsmanship. In the strict re- re- reading of the rules, which clearly none of us do because the, uh, the the beginning of this podcast every week shows how little we know of the rules. <laughs> but, I, I, look, he's entitled to do it. Is it right? I don't think so. I think there's an awful lot of rules that the RNA and, and generally they have to tighten up on, and I think it's one that could be simply done. Um, does Adam Scott give a damn? No. Sure, his bank balance has been bettered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suppose the question is, 
if if you were in a match play like like he said uh, like Alan said and you didn't use it but somebody else did would you be really annoyed that you didn't use it and I think where you've got pros that are going to do that if they have the yeah. opportunity you have to then use whatever you can to to, to m- m- match up with it so yeah. I think it, it would annoy me if somebody did it against me in a match but I'd be able to get over it because it's within the rules and you just got to get on with it. I, I think I'm, that's where we'll finish it off now. Is I think you're right. It is within the rules, but I think it's against the spirit of the game. I think that's the point. That but you're a traditionalist, Bob. And that's why I thought Barry actually would be more on my way, I think, of being a true traditionalist of the game. Blade putters, links golf. Like, like I said, if you did it against me, if you ever had a broom handle and did it against me in a match and it was advantageous for you, I'd probably hate you for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you carry... A just room <laughs> and not, you know, take it as your fourteenth club and get rid of a wedge so you can do it. Oh, I would have that in my bag if I could get away. With it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a couple of more things. <clears throat> the next thing we were going to discuss is just the course itself. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty sure that I'm going to come across as really negative here because I always, again, going back to our ongoing discussion that we have about. Uh, parkland courses versus links, which I think we might do that in a couple mm. of weeks, a general discussion, but really looking at the majors, like the one thing, I was talking to one of the lads in the office, and I think when you look at the course that they played the Ryder Cup in Medina, and you look at that and you go, but well, that's such a great golf course to play, I'd love to play it. Then you look at Royal Aberdeen, which I thought looked well, and, and it kind of did look appealing. I thought Royal Liverpool looked well, probably not as well as Royal Aberdeen, but Neither of the courses, I think, is the thing. TV doesn't portray links as well, links courses as well as other courses. I'd say if you went and played, like myself and Alan played Western Gales uh, about four or five years ago, which is a British Open qualifying course, and it's probably one of the best courses I've played in the last, you know, ten years. It was fantastic. But I'd be pretty sure that if you put it on TV, it wouldn't look as well. And I think that the course that I don't think came links courses don't come across as well on TV I, I disagree with you on that I think Sky Sports have really started to nail that down now yeah. I thought Royal Aberdeen that's the best I've ever seen a links course mm. look a couple of weeks ago at the Scottish Open and um, I thought the BBC really their guys they're not doing golf coverage their cameramen are not doing golf coverage week in week out and the, it really shows you know when compared to what you know, the package that Sky put together and the guys that yeah. the PGA Tour put together, the feed we get into the Golf Channel, NBC, and um, I thought I thought the this was a really unremarkable open golf course. I'm not going to remember much about it at all. I thought mm-hmm. there was a lot of very bland holes there. Um, I thought they got the setup completely wrong. I mean, 46 players finishing under par for the week. That's with a links course. I think they need to set it up extremely difficult, and then they can they can rein it back in by adding water to the course which will open, maybe widen the fairways but I think the rough needed to be heavier the fairways needed to be narrower and um, so what if the winning score is plus 10 it's got, it's got to be a challenge to be a major You know, to, to, to win a major it has to be a challenge and to shoot whatever 17-18 under par McElroy finish and, um, I don't think that's I don't think that's great for the game yeah but I think um I think the problem is Hoylek has been very unlucky in the two recent Opens it's held in that it's fallen in a period of great weather and you can see it, it Lynx course looked the best when they've had a bit of rain and they've had a bit of mixed weather a bit of rain and a bit of sun and they get really green the course actually looked quite brown and it looked dry in places mm. and it doesn't make the course look as good and then obviously there's the other factor that a Lynx course it's re- only real defence is the wind and the weather and yeah. you need the wind and this is two opens in a row now where they've had pretty much zero wind and zero rain and like they're the main defence they're what keeps the scores down in an open 
you know, you, you, it doesn't. If you don't have any wind, it doesn't matter really how you set the course. They're still going to shoot under par. Mm. Um, so I think I, I think they're the the big problems that affected it this week. Yeah, I thought the fairways were too wide as a whole. That, that was my that was my biggest bugbear with the the tournament um, and the way the course is set up. Was uh, that, that's that, that's my biggest gripe with it. And in terms of the actual course, um, James, I think you were making the point as well that like we saw a lot of players hitting irons off the tee. Yeah, well, this is a point that Gary Player made on kind of a, a pre-recorded interview on on the Sunday with the BBC, and he was kind of saying, like, he was fairly fairly strong and saying, look, you know, there's an issue here about guys who can turn up and hit, you know, driving irons, whether they be a one or a two iron, off every tee and not need to bring a driver out on the course. And he really had an issue, and I have to say, I did too, where. I don't know how many times Rory had to hit a hit a driver this week, or a, a however many of them had to hit a driver. But where they're hitting irons off the tee, you know, I, I heard on one occasion the commentator saying he's going to hit a five iron down there, and it will be another eight iron into the green. That's not a, that's that, that's not golf for that level. Like that's that's not good enough for me. I, I I thought the course. We talked last week, and I know it didn't go out for very long, but we talked about last week about the rough. The rough was non-existent. It was not. It was not penal. Yeah. And, you know, unless they were... The, the out-of-bounds was more penal, for the most part, than it was the, 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 the rough. I think where you are able to get away with not having to hit a driver off the tee and they're hitting irons, the, 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 the fairways have to be much narrower. The, the rough has Absolutely. to be much more penal just off the, off the fairway. To me, I have to say, if it, if it continues... I always loved the Open. I thought, to me, it's always one of the best. I have to say, I was, I was disappointed come Sunday. Not not in the result and all the rest, because I'm delighted Rory won it and, and, and other players did well. But it really won't really be remembered in my mind as a as a good major. I'm I'm, I'm indifferent. I have to say, and we go back next year to to St Andrews, and sure, the guys can do the same. They, next year, the only difference is they'll take a driver and they can fly it anywhere on the course and still come out with the six or seven or eight under. Yeah, you know, I just. Yeah, I, I totally agree with James on that. I think um, I think when you've got guys hitting iron iron into par fives, you know you've got a problem. Yeah, um, they were doing that a lot on a lot of the par fives this week. Now I suppose to go back the same thing as I said before, the wind is the defence, and when you, when you don't have the wind, it means these guys can't hit irons because the ground's firm and it's going to run out. And the thing about links courses is that generally on links courses the greens are huge. The greens are much bigger than a standard tour course, so. The guys don't mind hitting irons off the tee because they have a much bigger target when they're coming in with their second shot. So there's not as much pressure on them hitting a driver. Mm. And if there was a bit of wind there, if there was a bit of wind there, like on one nine, you might they, they probably would have needed to hit driver on a lot of the holes. But because there was no wind, it, it gave them a bit of flexibility on what they hit off the tee. But you see, this is this, and this again, I suppose, was the second point that Gary Player was making, which was if they know that it's going to be dry and the wind isn't going to be up and all the rest. Water the course to its death. Make the fairways long. There's like they, they, the role that these guys were getting at times in the course was just so phenomenal that they didn't have to hit a driver because they could hit a driving iron and still go three hundred and something odd, you know, yards. That that's only going to work as an option though if the the targets are narrower. They need you know if you have a narrower fairway to aim at, especially in that landing zone for irons. That makes that shot a lot more exacting for the players, and then you maybe open it out in the driver landing zone, which mm-hmm. might encourage them or tempt them into taking driver. But 
it just needed to be an awful lot narrower and if, if it did get very windy then what they can do is water the fairways which effectively makes them wider yeah. because the ball doesn't roll out as much um, I think they I think they really bombed on the course setup this week hopefully they learned some good <laughs> lessons about it and for, you know, to, to counteract this iron 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 off the tee they just really tightened the fairway to maybe like 18 yards wide in the iron zone and then have it much wider for the driver zone. Oh, yeah, well, that's a good point because I think we mentioned there, making if the fairways are, are tighter, well, then that means people are more likely to hit iron. But I think that's a good point. If you have loads of rough, maybe up to 220, have fairways tight, and then past that, yeah. have it a bit wider and, and a bit more, that, that'll, that'll bring it in. The only thing about making it, the course, really, really, really wet, that would probably play into McElroy's hands even more. But it may, and that's fair enough. Yeah. But but the the thing is that it would have forced people, and possibly it would also have forced him uh, to take some drivers off the tee. I just I, I I agree with Alan, and and I think where you can see players hitting an iron iron into par fives, you know, there's there's got to yeah. be a question. But I think it may have to be a question at the very top as to where golf is going generally, and we'll come back to it on another day. But yeah. there does need to be changes because it's um, getting crazy. Yeah, I think I think unfortunately. Golf has turned into a game where it's it's a long hitters game now as well. I think the, I think the shorter guys are more and more getting getting wiped out of most events. You can see McDowell getting really frustrated with it in the last few months. He he, he tends to comment a lot on the lack of distance and kind of how restricted he is and what courses he can play. And I think it's becoming a serious problem that the I suppose the uh, golf authorities really should probably look at. It's, it's the ball I think is the big problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was the point that player made that. They don't need to change the equipment. They don't need to change the... They need to go back and look at the golf ball and either do one for amateurs that we can still go out and hit, you know, our distances. Before the pros, they have to be given a specialised golf ball, produced in whatever way they want, but that it stops them from being able to bomb at four or 500 yards with drivers and just turn it into a bomber's game because it's it's going to start getting to a point where... And we talk about viewer figures of Tiger Woods going mm-hmm. down and all the rest, but I wonder whether that is actually what's ultimately the cause or whether people are just getting bored of watching guys like Bubba there's no finesse there's no sevies required anymore of trying to look and invent the shots around it it's now just bomb it down the driveway and, and, and hit a uh, hit a wedge in it and Bubba obviously he tore the uh, Augusta part yeah. did yeah. he hit what driver and a, and a Sam wedge into the 13th, 13th yeah, yeah so that, was, that was a bit ridiculous and you can't keep adding length you know yeah. especially around links links are where they are they're, they're built up especially on the British Isles they're, they're stuck you can't add more length, so you have to start thinking of how to... to yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either game. the ball or you tighten in the course. You tighten the targets that they have to hit to, and you make the rough mm-hmm. even more penal. So those guys who are hitting at that distance but missing their targets get brutally punished for it. Um, if you were going out for dinner on a Saturday night and it was Sir Nick or Gary Player, James, which one would you take out for dinner? Oh, it would have to be Sir Nick. Sir Nick, yeah. I thought that might be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have a cocktail with uh, Gary afterwards. <laughs> um, one last thing, I suppose, we need as we, we need to talk about Tiger. Tiger actually was very outspoken, I thought, this weekend, which I think is probably something we should welcome. But the first point he mentioned was that he felt he needed more game time uh, and that he wasn't fresh enough going into uh, coming into, into this Open. And he probably should have listened to, I can't remember what exact week, was it probably about week 27 of our podcast, and we said, well, he's not going to play well unless he plays a few events, and we talked about him coming to Ireland. I think we said it week after week after week. Yeah. I mean, if it's plain obvious to all of us, you'd think he would go, like, he should, we, we mentioned actually specifically one week he should have played the Greenbrier, and he probably should have played another event, you know, so yeah. it's kind of strange to see him complaining about not having, not 
needing more game time and not putting it in before the event. It's uh, that was his worst seventy-two hole major finish as a pro. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got off to a fantastic start as well. Yeah. Four under after the first round. Yeah. Three, under, three, under, three under. After three. starting his round quite poorly as well, I think it was two over quite early on. So two battled, over after two. Yeah, he battled back very well to an opening sixty-nine. But um, look, he just, like like we said, he, he clearly wasn't sharp. You could see it in his game. There was just mm. looseness in all aspects of his game, and. Um, he, he needs to he needs to get playing a lot of events. I thought the interesting point about Tiger was that he was mouthing off beforehand about how he has been able to be doing a lot of putting and a lot of chipping and a lot of short game work. I didn't see any benefit of that over the mm. course of the weekend or over the course of the four days. Put up or shut up. The, the, the world has moved on a bit, Tiger. At this stage, you're not mm. the, you're not the big cheese anymore in in world golf. You got to go out and you got to start again. And I think that. The mouth needs to be closed for a little bit and play some golf and win some tournaments and get going. Well, this brings me nicely on to his second point that he said. He came out, when I was very surprised he said this, he came out and he says he reckons he should be picked for the Ryder Cup. For what reason? Like, this annoys me about... The, the world of golf is not Tiger Woods. He's... He's got to he's got to shut up for a while and go out and play some golf and play his way into the team. There's players out there that are playing better, more consistent, that mm. deserve to be on the Ryder Cup, and he's not particularly the greatest team player in the world anyway. Mm. So if I was Tom Watson, I'd tar- tell him he's only got a couple of weeks before they go into the FedEx yeah. uh, Cup playoffs. Yeah, he's only got a few more tournaments. I, he's not playing this week in Canada. I don't know if he's playing out in Russia. I assume he's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, there's another week gone. You know, if you want to play, play. And he'd play your way into the team. And stop just pretending that it's going to be handed to him on a, on a platter. It's not anymore. He's not the best player in the world anymore. He's not the best player in America. There's 12 guys who deserve to be on that team. And right now, I don't think he should be anywhere close to it. Quick straw poll, then, from the four of us. He plays the Bridgestone, which is the week after thing, plays the USPGA, doesn't qualify for the FedEx based on his performances, would I think I know James's answer anyway? <laughs> but would you pick him for the Ryder Cup as your captain, Tom Watson? And you've got to make a decision whether you pick him as a wild card. Well, it depends what he does. Like if he wins one of the next two, or you know, gets into the top three or something like that, then I think I think he does get picked for it. If he, but let's say he doesn't win the, the WGC. If he doesn't even have a top ten in either of the next two and misses the FedEx, no, you can't pick him. If he has, let's say, top ten, but for some reason, based on his performance, still misses the top the FedEx. See, he's not going to be sharp. I just don't think he can be picked. I think James uh, James makes great points, and mm-hmm. there are other guys who have played the full season and are playing better. They're scoring better. They're probably better team players. At, at that stage, he's getting picked on his reputation, his history, rather than what he's done this Alan, year. Alan, what do you think? Well, if I'm Tom Watson, I don't like Tiger, so I probably don't pick him. But if I'm Alan and I'm picking, um, if he shows me any sort of reasonable form, I definitely have him in there. Okay. Okay. I think I. I Show me the three guys who Watson's going to, or the four. Does he Watson have four picks? Show three. me the four guys who. Three. three. So show me the three guys who he picks, and I can guarantee you Tiger will be better than one of them. Do you know? Do you know what? The only pick I'll give him is for vice captain role. He can <laughs> he can drive me buggy around if I'm Tom Watson. <laughs> With a Bluetooth headset yeah, on. That's what he can do. Look, I, I, I think shut no his ma- mouth for a I while. think no matter what, has Tom Watson said Tiger's getting a spot if he's healthy. I think I, it doesn't really matter what he does between now and then. I think he's got the spot nailed on. I think, uh, I think the key point though is Tiger is not the player that he used to be. Right. His short game isn't remotely as good as it was, and it's killing him now. So I. 
he, he's, he's, he's nearly kind of at that stage now where he's just one of the he's one of the top 10 one of the top 20 yeah he's certainly not number one yeah. And actually, uh, answering Barry's point, I actually have today's paper in front of me, and, and Tom Watson says that if Phil and Tiger don't make it in the mix, I've got some real thinking to do. Everybody is thinking that I'm going to pick them autom- automatically. I can assure you that I'm not going to pick them automatically. So it sounds like his mind isn't made up either. So, I mean, the thing is, like now Tiger seems to he's got he's got rid of this back problem. Maybe we're jumping on him a bit too quick here. You know, we'll see how he gets on over the next few weeks. He might get a run of form next year. He might have a full clean bill of health for a full year, and you know he could spring back up to you know being not a dominant force, but a major player every time he tees it up. And um, bear in mind that it is the Bridgestone coming up in two weeks, and Tiger does kind of like that tournament. Yeah, let's go. Well, sorry, going on. Also, bear in mind that he, he before the British Open, he'd only played thirty six holes in the last few months, and he still made the cut at the British Open. And I bet you some of the guys that. James will have in his three picks for his right of Cup team <laughs> didn't make the cut at the British Open. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no problem him being picked on form. I have a problem with him mouthing off that he should be picked without but showing I, that form. And, and I think that the only reason Tom Watson has made that quote that's just been read out is because he is trying to make sure that there's other players who are standing around there going, well, there's no point in me continuing to play right now because he's already picked two of his uh, wild cards. And that's the bit that I have an issue with. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, I think that's great. Good, that's, but it's good debate, and I think that's, that's a lot of the debate that's happening out there at the moment. One final thing, we need to move on time-wise, but one final thing, isn't Pro Tracer one of the most amazing things, one of the most amazing inventions in race to golf in a long time? Yeah, it's way better than big drivers. or Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, to, to see, particularly on the Lynx courses, I think it's fantastic because you can see the way the players have to shape the shots to, to get the ball into the right place and, and how low, I think we've got a tweet, we'll, we'll tweet this, you tweeted us earlier, and Sergio, Sergio hit this iron that probably barely went above our you know our heads uh, the whole way down. It was just phenomenal. Yeah, if you go to our Twitter account, um, at Podcast GTS, I actually yeah. sent it onto the Twitter account, and I, and I retweeted it from the account. So you can actually click on the Golf Digest link, and you can see Sergio hitting the most amazing low two or three iron. I just want to watch Sergio on Shot Tracer for the, uh, the whole of every competition. He's the most... The lo- loveliest ball flight I think I've ever seen. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. I, I can't wait for... I mean, I thought BBC completely underutilized Shot Tracer this week. Uh, they had a phenomenal technology at their, disposable, at their disposal to show the public what these guys can do with a golf ball and how they, they get it around a golf course and how it's different from what we can do. And I don't think they use it anywhere near enough. And I can't wait for the time when we have a red button option on Sky to see every shot on Shot Tracer. I, I, I think it'll just be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I would obviously have shots outside 100 yards, but I think that's, like, yeah. you know, but I think that'd be great if we just press it, turn it on, watch it for a bit, it'd be amazing. As long as it's side screen. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, yeah, the side screen would be amazing. So, but, yeah, but anyway, actually, and that brings me on, so that finishes up with our um, open review. And I think, all in all, which I've never had, we haven't had a major yet in our 30 weeks of podcast that we've had this many talking about. So I think that shows you what a, a fantastic event it was, and it was really, really good. A um, couple of notable things we mentioned about Sky Sports there, and Alan, you highlighted this to us, the Sky Sports are switching Sky Sports 4 to a dedicated Ryder Cup channel. Um, is that correct? Yeah, I think they're doing it for two weeks as well. They're doing it for like a week before the Ryder Cup and then a week after it as mm. well. I so, my head they're going to fill the week after. Or it's maybe a few days after, is it? Yeah, it's September 18th to the 2nd of October they're doing it. So they just re-show everything again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't, yeah I can't, so that'll be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant. 
And it was also it's, it's also worth as well. I know we discussed this off air that there's actually talk that there's going to be a seniors Ryder Cup as well. Oh yeah, that that would be great. 2015, I think. Now I think it's off the back of there's a lot of good older European players who are now coming onto the tour, like kind of Sam Torrance and Lang, Langer and Monty and these guys. So they think they could have a very competitive one. So that's something to keep Fair an eye on. That'll be great. <laughs> James is calling for Sir Nick to get on the team. No, he's a vice captain. Get in the buggy there, Sir Nick. <laughs> well, I'll drive his buggy, don't worry. <laughs> Monty will be itching for the captaincy so we can talk about that for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think he plays, playing fantastic stuff at the I moment. Um, and the other bit of news, which was a bit sad, um, was uh, Bob Torrance passed away over the weekend. So Sam Torrance's dad, and obviously a fantastic golf coach. Um, I actually, Alistair Tate, who works for Golf Week, actually, funny enough, tweeted up, and obviously in relation to Bob Torrance news, that apparently Rory McIlroy once went to see Bob Torrance because he was one of the best coaches around. Bob watched Rory hit shots, and he said, I can't improve on that, and he actually refused to work with McIlroy because he couldn't improve him. That's incredible. That happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd say when they say I can't improve on that, I'd say. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear yeah, the end yeah. at the end. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I, maybe it's I won't be able to improve this person. <laughs> so I can't teach you. No, actually, no, I won't teach you. Um, the similarity was that he refused to work with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob Torrance was Harrington's coach for a good while, though, was he? And Darren Clark's, yeah, 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 for a long time. Yeah, they were both very close to him. Apparently, they got, he used to just. In his local club, he'd never charge anyone for a lesson. He just he just loved the game so much, and he loved helping people and just sharing his knowledge with the game. And um, by all reports, one of the nicest yeah. and most memorable guys you'll ever you'll ever meet or ever would have met. Yeah, so what's your I suppose our our, our podcast thoughts are with uh, him, uh, yeah. him and his family. Anyway, um, moving on, and as I said, that wraps up our our review of the week gone by. Alan, we're going to pass over to you to give a week thirty update. In particular, uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier on. Martin Sicom was getting very, um, getting very, very. Um, he was getting very excited. Got in, con- yeah, yeah, got in contact with us. Uh, he had a very good. He had Carlson and. Molinari. Uh, Molinari, uh, like I did myself. So, Alan, you might give us a quick... I think we're a bit tight in time, but you might give us a quick update. Oh, actually... <laughs> Alan's lost the sheet. Oh, sorry, apologies. Yeah, okay. Bob, you're going to do the update. That's perfect. I have it here, actually. Um, so, apologies about that, Alan. I forgot. I forgot. You're uh, in the deep end there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have just left it with you and let you give the update. Yeah, in first place is Alan Donnelly. Um, okay, so there's... Um, the top three at the moment um, is... We have James English is currently first uh, with total ranking of 198. Uh, Matt Ward is currently coming in at second place uh, on a total of 201. And Martin Sacom, who I mentioned, had uh, he had a cracking week. Cracking week. Mar- uh, Robert Carlson and also Eduardo Molinari. So he was. The biggest mover moving a total of 93 spots. There was a good few other people who had Molinari, like myself, uh, Carlson. Some people had Tyrrell Hatton, who moved about 40 to 50 spots. So as I said, top three, James English, 198, Maddie, uh, Matt Ward, 201, and Martin Scum, 211. And this week is the last week that we're going to take entries. So if anyone would like to... Um, we're going to go one more week, will we? One more week, yeah. Okay. One yeah. more week. Um, so if anyone would like to... To join up, what you need to do is send us a tweet at podcastgts with the hashtag uh, hashtag top two hundred, or you can email us at a good talk spoiled at gmail dot com. You need to pick a player outside the top two hundred on the US tour and on the European tour. 
And before we wrap up, I just give a little update on the podcast team. Mm-hmm. Barry, you're currently 27th at the moment. Brilliant. Awesome. Your team has actually lost 107 spots. Yeah. Uh, James, you're 18th. Your team has gained 131 spots. Back in the uh, net. I'm 16th. I've gained 224 spots. And Alan is 13th, gaining 114 spots. So I think all of us, unfortunately, are just playing for a bit of pride at the moment uh, in terms of between the four of us. Cause Which is good. It would have been a bit weird if one of us had won the competition. There were yeah. questions asked about the format and the fix and everything. My early season form has really tapered off. I'm just spiraling yeah. down that table. And actually, uh, your old foe, David Degree, has only just one place ahead of you. So the two of you seem to be... That's my mission. As long as I beat Davey, I'm all right. It's good. You got. You guys should have a lot, a, a, bet, a private side bet or something like that. He's only twelve ahead of you, anyway. So, uh, so that's great. We'll post up the uh, leaderboard on our Twitter account, and uh, the prize for the winner uh, is a four ball in Carton House. So we we will get that out to the winner at the end of the year. It finishes up the DP World Tour Championships, the final European Tour event of the year. Um, we need to get some selections in. These two, the two events this week will be uh, very much filled with the kind of players for the top two hundred. That's actually a very good point, yeah, because they're, 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 particularly the Russian Open really will have a lot of the guys outside. Yeah, mix of the Challenge Tour and European Tour players. Mm. And what's the field look like in the Russian Open? They should all be boycotting it, but that's for another argument. Oh, oh is, we're not going to go into politics unless they're golfing politics. We've got boisterous, so we're just, we're just boisterous like, James. I have actually, I've come very great. How do we uh, podcast? Yeah. Tiger playing in Russian. <laughs> no, he just withdrew. Um, <laughs> I want to know how do we order boisterous James every week? I like no, this. Just, no, just deny him sugar or something like that. Yeah, anyway, yeah. give him too much. One or the other, we'll figure it out. Um, we've it's a yeah, it's a, it's a as I said, it's a mix between the European Tour and Challenge Tour event this week. It used to be a Challenge Tour event, and um, we have a couple, couple of names there: Scott Jameson, Rickard Carlberg, and a few of the strong uh, mid-level English players: um, David Horsey, Matthew Nixon, and Richard Finch. Uh, a few of the Scandinavians, but. Um, yeah, basically, it's a chance. It's a chance for one of these kind of mid-table guys to to win a tournament and get a tour card. Yeah, and I suppose that's the big thing is they they need to get their win. They yeah. field in the Canadian Open, which will probably be our weekend's TV. That'll probably be a bit, it's a bit better, isn't it? I yeah. see Dustin Johnson playing. I think. Yeah, we've Dusty, Matt Kuchar, Jim Furyk, McDowell, Schwartzel, Snedeker, Donald, um, local guy Graham Delette, Canadian, and uh, down from there. So really, you know, strong enough at the top of the the top of the field, but. This this is a kind of this is going to be a nice golf course actually. I was reading that this could uh, land at you know the type of player who plays well at Harbour Town could actually go quite well here. It's uh, Royal Montreal, so it's um so it should be a nice little uh, nice little course to look at. And is Zach Johnson playing? Zach Johnson's not surprisingly actually. So um, I mean, look out for maybe look out for players like McDowell, Furick, Tim Clark. They're kind of players who've gone well in Harbour Town before. Cool. Um, so yeah, it should be nice to have a little bit of regular Sunday evening golf. I didn't know what to do this Sunday night actually. Gone with uh, no PGA Tour on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, I know one of our other listeners, Stephen Hoppen, who was in in touch saying that he thinks this. It's always a bit of an anticlimax the week after the uh, after a major, which is a fair enough. But I think this might be a decent event on Sunday evening. Yeah, good enough to keep us uh, keep us entertained. So uh, we're gonna have a little little presenter picks. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, so last week actually was uh, who won last week? James won last week again. So um, he had Robert Carlson in twelfth. It was a good run by Robert. He's you know, got some good form. The rest was not so good. So this week I have all the picks actually lined up here. Okay. Who are we? Who are we all picking? I can't uh, remember my Alan, pick. Alan's going first. He's picking Graham Delette. 
Bob, you've got Charles Schwartzel. Oh, yes. Top 10 last week. Yes, That's yes. a good pick. Yes. Uh, I'm taking Snedeker, who's just switched up coaches to Butch Harmon, so hopefully you're a quick fix. And James is going with Russell Knox, who's gone back to the States after a trip home to Scotland. Cool, cool. Very good. Okay, well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. The only final thing I have to do is give the rules-related answer. As I said, there is a winner. So just to recap, uh, player A holds out for a four. Player B has a putt for a half. Player A tells player B that the putt is just inside the left edge. Player B does not need to take his putt as the hole is halved. And the answer, good news for Alan, is that it is true. So, probably last bit of hope there brings it to 16-13. And that's according to the uh, RNA rules app. So there you go. Desperation is a stinky cologne. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the interesting to know why, I, we, I kind of thought it was the... Yeah, the loss of all. Look it up. We'll never look it up. No. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd say look under on the rules under advice. Let's say you might might get the answer there. So um, the uh, Monty's gone for a three peat on the senior majors this week. Oh, that's a good point. The yeah. Senior Open and Royal Port Call. Be interesting yeah. to see if he just keeps on winning them. And Royal Port Call are a bit like Port Rush are trying to get back on the road. Yeah, this is their this is their it's audition. Supposed to be a cracking golf yeah, course. Yeah. So we good to, good to watch a bit more links. Very good. Well, listen, that wraps us up for this week, everyone. So thanks a million for everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk to you all next week when we'll be back with a look at, at I suppose, the weekend's golf and we'll have a topical uh, discussion for you uh, next week that we look forward to. So thanks a million for everyone again for listening. Um, if anyone has a chance, as we ask every week, if you get a chance to review us on iTunes, uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. And so that's it. Thanks very much and talk to you soon. Bye-bye, yeah. Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.